Check out We Are Calvin football podcast in association with McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Real food, real people. Try Super Value's own range in store today. Quality products at one third the price of branded labels. McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Supporting local. We Are Calvin podcast. Because Calvin's not just a place, it's a people. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the McAvoy Super Value GEA podcast brought to you by We Are Cavan. On today's show, we're going to be looking back over Cavan's defeat in round six of the Allianz National Football League, or Allianz League. Um, we're going to be going through your talking points that you sent in to us on Monday. And as always, I'm delighted to be joined with Paul Fitzpatrick, the sports editor of the Anglo Celt. Uh, Paul, will we get straight into the talking points? Yeah, lots of people got in touch today, I mean, with different things they wanted brought up or things that they felt were worthy of commenting on. Uh, as usual, it's a mixed bag of, I suppose, a few little really interesting insights and a lot of absolute scour. But we'll go, we'll go through it. Uh, first talking point said, went missing for 10 minutes either side of half time and cost us. Can't argue with that, really. Yeah. Yeah, when you look at well, Cavan had one score in the last ten minutes of the first half, um, and in the second half, their first score in the tent came in the tenth minute with Conroy's free after Timoney was fouled. So, yeah, definitely, actually, it was it was it was Chris Conroy's freeze either side of half time, and that was in that period. Kildare hit five points, um, corner forward again, Jimmy Highland hitting. Two of them, Dara Kerwin with one, Paul Cribben with one. Probably the most significant um, moment in that 20-minute period was the missed penalty. And that was you know, just unfortunate because you would have more than likely gone in at halftime a point down and you know, have, have weathered the storm and you'd have been asking questions of Kildare at that point. But um, I don't know, as I say, in... On on the podcast earlier in the week, but where um at halftime I went down to grab a cup of tea, and the, you know this the behind the goals there's the dressing rooms um in Newbridge you can always see them on the telly they've got two steps coming up into one set of steps that mm. go upstairs so I was up on the balcony there and the Kildare team were just down below or they were all outside um but I I was sipping my cup of tea. The Kildare players were talking. Jack O'Connor and his management team were a little bit away from them, having a conversation. Cavan came, came out onto the field, took their positions. Referee blew his whistle. Then Jack O'Connor says, right, boys, put it in. Boys came a little bit closer. No, no real no real distance or no real contact between them, but came a bit closer. And he says, OK, lads, two things. One, keep pressing up on their kick out. They don't want to go long and we're winning it when they do go long. And two, if we hammer it home in this first quarter, of the second half, we'll win the game. Right, how'd you go? That was it. That was his whole halftime speech. <laughs> and I thought, there's a, there's no need to overcomplicate things, at, which sometimes as managers tend to do at halftime, but he, he nailed two crucial points and the players went out and done those two crucial things. Yeah, and, and his prediction came to pass, even though Cavan did um, press very hard in the last 15 minutes, but... Uh, that's very interesting that that's how Jack O'Connor uh, addressed the team at halftime. Really interesting. I know from reading his book before, which is one of the best ever GA books, and there's more and more coming out every year. Uh, GA books used to be rare enough, and now there's maybe 10 coming out every year, every Christmas. But Jack O'Connor's is one of the very best autobiographies. It's brilliant. I actually um, never read it. I must grab it off you. Yeah, it's worth reading. It's a very e- easy reading. Um, it's a memoir, I suppose, but it's a, it's stitched in with the 2006 season, I think it was, where Kerry sort of came back from the dead. It was the year he sort of discovered Donaghy. But it would give you an insight into the man himself. He's a mountain man, as he says himself, from from southwest Kerry, Dromod, you know, totally isolated, secluded rural place, which I don't even think it even had a pub until he opened a pub there. And the football team would be would be very, very lowly ranked traditionally in Kerry and he, he he had this chip on the shoulder always that he was being looked down on by the 
sort of people from the bigger clubs and the football aristocrats. He hadn't a great football career himself. Uh, with Kerry, he didn't he didn't play with Kerry anyway. And uh, so he's a very interesting man, Jack O'Connor. And I I I reckon he'll do a good job at Kildare. Uh, it's just the way this season has is so disrupted that I personally think this season's a write off. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so well, it's. I don't think oh, it should be, should be going ahead. Actually, we probably should discuss that then. I I I don't think this season should, should go ahead. Not for health reasons. I just think the the integrity of the competitions are totally brought into into question when teams are missing half the players or potentially missing half the players. Mm. I don't see the point of playing a competition where you know if you win the All Ireland, you're the best team in Ireland. Well, is this like is this the half team All Ireland? Is this the All Ireland minus? a random selection of seven or eight players in your panel for every game uh, but sure hold on a second what what year does every team have everybody yeah I don't well I don't I don't think I ever suggested every team every, there's ever been a time where every team is everybody but there's never been a time where where uh, players are not injured are not suspended and you could be missing maybe 10 of them off your panel I don't ever remember that happening before and that's happening all over the country like Leitrim couldn't field uh, at the weekend, Cavan were were are said to be missing about ten players off their panel at the at the minute for the weekend or maybe for the weekend to come. Um, like talking to Mickey Graham last week, he said, you know, he's no idea who he's going to have available for Sunday. He said, well, I spoke to him Tuesday morning, and he said, look, ideally we'd be naming our team tonight. He said we'd no idea who we have, and the previous three days he'd had three calls from players saying that uh, they were close contacts and they were out, and he said I'm expecting to get more. So I mean, this is okay. This is okay for the national league. But when this comes into an All Ireland, put it like this, Damien. If Cavan get to the most of the final and play play their own, and Cavan are missing half, half their players, uh, it'll, and Tyrone hammer Cavan, it'll be bitterly remembered. And on the other side of it, if Tyrone, what happens if there's a massive outbreak and Tyrone have to put out scrape up players from around the county to put out a team, which could happen. Um, and Cavan win the Ulster title. Is that Ulster title not devalued? There's no homecoming either. There's nobody at the game. I just don't see the point of it. I, I personally, I, I, I completely disagree with you. I just think at the end of the day, it's sport. And it's sport, it's, but it's, it's not. It's, 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 it's a very it's important distraction from it. And it's a very important thing to be going on that basically people have something else to talk about, something else to focus their minds on. Oh, but Evenings are getting dark. But then that in itself is the mirror. No, you're not disagreeing. You're not disagreeing with my point because that's not my point. You're saying that it shouldn't go ahead. I'm saying that, yeah, the Ulster Championship and the All Ireland Championship shouldn't go ahead. I wouldn't have yeah. any problem with a special tournament. Uh, going ahead to something like the Centenary Cup in '84, to, to allow people to have something to watch at home, to allow players who are who are able to play it to play it. But I don't want to see these these competitions devalued. Like the All Ireland is going to be devalued without a doubt. It's going to be devalued. Aye, but but come here, when COVID is over, the value is just going to strip back up again. It's 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 a necessity. It's a, it's a means to an end. Nobody's saying that it's not going to come with an asterisk. But it's still going to it's still going to provide entertainment, give give a very important outlet for both. And and we we hear from Cormac O'Reilly later on, and I ask him about this. It 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 provides the outlet for not just the fans, but for the players themselves. And that's that's something they want to play. Those guys that are out there all want to play football for their county in this current environment. So if they want to play, who are you or I? to tell them that it shouldn't go ahead. Well, what, I, what I'm saying is uh, the GA has to, has to respect the integrity of the competition, which has been around a long, long time. And I, I think by playing it during the pandemic, when so many players are going to be unavailable, uh, it's, it's really, it's not your senior All-Ireland in the county championship anymore. It's, it's, it's what team gets lucky and has less players um, rule out as close contacts or positive cases. And it is so does this does the same apply to the Premier League when Liverpool have three players out through COVID and therefore missing for a couple of games or no, as, far as, I, as far as I'm aware the professional sports teams are, are living in bubbles, aren't they? In hotels and things like that. And the cases are very limited compared to what we're seeing in here with amateur sports. And you can mind yourself as as, as well as you possibly can, but you might be living with a girlfriend or a wife or a, a mother who 
is a, is a nurse or something like that and just is coming into contact with this thing and there's nothing you can do. Well, no, I, as far as I'm aware, and again, I, I'm, I'm open to correction on this, but they, the, the players aren't in a constant bubble. They, they're still interacting with family. So the, the families aren't in a bubble. They, they've, they've kids that are going to school. They have, so, and they're still, they, they go to bubbles for, you know, maybe a day around the game or something like that, but they, they, they go back to, to their family after that situation. Okay, well, if, we're, if, we, if we are to equate the, the All-Ireland to the Premier League, which I don't know why we're making that equivalency here, but if we are going to do that, then, yeah, okay, scrap the Premier League. But I, I would view the Premier League as, as a, a branch of the entertainment industry more so than a branch of the sports industry. It's, 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 it has to go ahead because it's money, money, money. It's not community-based. It's not a volunteer uh, grassroots organisation. It's just an, an international hyper-capitalist money-making machine that happens. And is that, does that make it more important in a pandemic than an amateur organisation? More important? Yeah, so therefore, because it's a money-making organisation, it should receive priority in terms of its ability to continue over an amateur organisation. Its sole function, the sole function of the Premier League is to, is to make money. It's a business. So I'd say, if, yeah, let it go ahead. Let it make money. The sole function of let it go ahead. The sole function of of intercounty football in Holland is t- diametrically opposed to the sole function of of Premier League soccer. So I I, I think that we're not taking the box. Um, so not, so you think that the, that the value of making money through a pandemic is more important than the value that the GA give? No, I'm saying the exact opposite of that. Um, well, maybe, why then allow, allow something that's less important? Why allow something that's less important? Surely making money is less important in a pandemic than the importance of distraction to the, to the masses in terms of the entertainment the game well, the way, is going to provide. I don't, I don't understand your, your, what you brought the premiership into this, so I don't understand uh, what you are framing your argument with. You, you said to me that... Uh, should the Premiership be stopped because teams have players possibly unavailable through the COVID? Yeah, I, the same I, because you said that the GA should. But I never said it for health reasons, for a start. I, I said, the reason I'm saying that, that the All-Ireland and the Ulster Championship, for example, shouldn't go, and he, go ahead is because uh, they are, they are um, devaluing those, the integrity of those competitions comes into question. They're devalued. The, the medal is, is devalued. When you're not playing against against uh, you're playing against a team who's just it's a lottery as to who they have available to them so uh, that's okay. why I feel but in, in terms of I, I don't I think a premiership medal is meaningless anyway in my opinion I, I just think it's a byproduct of of uh, hyper capitalist uh, professional sport a money making enterprise is all it is it used to be soccer was a great working class game they're all priced out of it now in 1990 if you wanted to go to Highbury it cost you two pounds now, if you want to go to Highbury, it costs you £250. It's not a working-class game anymore. It's a money-making machine. And I think to cheer for Liverpool or to cheer for Manchester United or Everton, you might as well cheer for Nike or Reebok or, or um, Coca-Cola because they're all just massive international. <laughs> okay. okay. I, 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 I take your point on, on, on that end of it. I still fundamentally disagree with your idea that because of the situation we're in, the game shouldn't go ahead because I, I, didn't say the, I never said the, that. I never said that. I you said the championship. You said the yes, championship shouldn't go ahead. Well, what what games are left? We're talking about championship games. I because that's what's left. I never said the game shouldn't go ahead. I think the game should go ahead, but in all Ireland shouldn't go ahead. And I wish the GA had have looked okay, at. So you. So what you think is that by by putting a different tag on a competition. It makes an, it makes any difference at all to us. I I, I don't I don't buy that in, yeah, in the slightest. I think that that essentially, if there's games going on, there's games going on. No, no, no. Why no, not no. let them be in all Ireland? So where do you where do you stop at that? You can No one has has the right. Why why don't we we let uh, anything have the name All Ireland attached to it? There's a reason why there's a prestige and a and a history and it's it's prized above all other. Uh, things in Irish sport and life is an All Ireland football or Hurling medal. Um, they were really prized. And I know in handball, like All Ireland medals have been devalued because there's too many of them, and it's it's a tragedy in in my sport of handball that an All Ireland medal, which is a holy thing, a precious thing, 
as the song says, has been devalued. So I, I think an all Ireland medal is, is precious. And it shouldn't be automatically just put up for grabs there. For I don't know what the reasons are. I don't know why they didn't look at doing, doing something else. I, I, I completely understand that players, if they want to play, they should be allowed to play. And I think that fans should be allowed to watch games, be that at home or, or in the stadium. But it's looking like it's going to be at home. But I don't think that we should be running uh, the crew, the, the jewel in the crown. Uh, shouldn't be tarnished like this because it's not right. If if what happens if Cavan get to an Ulster final and and we win it and we fit, we're playing at their own team who are missing fifteen players? What what is the value of that? Well, you know, well, sure, okay, well let, let's take it back. Let's take it back to two thousand and one during foot and mouth and Cavan on the twenty ones got to the Ulster final. And it was postponed for six months. And when they finally got to play it, they were down eight or nine players in that game, eight or nine starters. Do do the lads from Tyrone look back and go, oh gosh, this medal isn't worth anything to us, really? They they don't care. Well, I, I don't know what their opinion is to that. To answer your question, uh, I asked you a question and you asked me another one. I just can't answer it in response. But I think they won the All Ireland that year, as far as I remember. Uh, 2001 so they probably they probably value their All-Ireland medal a bit better but if you remember back to that year uh, was it uh, around the time of the foot and mouth uh, Ulster nominated a team to go on and represent them in the Hogan Cup if I'm not mistaken wasn't that wasn't that part of it Fermanagh were in the so. final around that time but I, I don't think I don't think Tyrone would, would uh, put huge stock on that also in the 21 medal, no, but that, that it was different in that you're coming up against every there are always teams who are ravaged with injury, but that's that's the look of the draw, and these things even out. But th- this pandemic is a total game changer, it's not you cannot be compared to a, an injury crisis, crisis in a squad. This is just absolute lottery stuff, and hopefully, yeah. now the worst of it is over. But I, I again, I asked you the question, Kevin could, Kevin could get to an Ulster final here. And play against against uh, a team who are missing fifteen players, who are literally putting out their second fifteen, and that was the final to no totally out of their own hands. And and Cavan maybe because we've had a big a big uh, surge of COVID cases, maybe by then we'll be at full strength because it has worked its way through our panel or through our villages and clubs. Uh, do, do you not feel that that medal would be a bit devalued? It it may be a bit devalued, but I still think there's a huge value in it. And I, I, I think that while, you know, in any situation, in any any competition, somebody could throw at you the look of how you got there. But at the end of the day, you, you the old saying goes, you never win anything without a bit of luck. So I I personally I look at it's it's a different, it's a completely different scenario than any other year. I I, I completely accept that. But I still see the huge value that the competition is going to bring um, in terms of entertainment, in terms of a release for both players and GA supporters. Um, personally, the fact that you call it a Centenary Cup or Sam Maguire doesn't make a blind bit of difference to me. It's the value of competition. It's the value of going out, competing to the best of your ability on that particular day, regardless of what adversity you faced, that you're you're going to go out and, and, and go man to man, see what happens. You know, I that's where I see it. I think that it should go ahead. I'm I'm very surprised that you don't think it should go ahead. Um, being a, a, a lover of GA, but I you shouldn't and, be and even the idea I've of, said, of the celebrations. If you remember, if you remember, I think we played a clip. I wrote a column about this about about uh, three months ago. I remember if you remember there was. A part of it was read out on RTE on one Friday evening, and we played the clip on the podcast where I said at the start that was before the even club championship started. Where I said, where, if, where, if where a lot of that is, these games shouldn't go ahead. Yeah, but where a lot of that was based on, or where part of that was based on, was was the idea of the celebrations. Like again, I'm I'm not as wedded to the idea that the celebration is as important as the victory, and that's that's something that that maybe I'm in the minority at, but I I think that. Regardless of whether there's thirty thousand on the street in Cavan if they win an Ulster title, or 
there's there's nobody there's no homecoming of any sort. I still think the players are going to be extremely proud of what they've achieved in that situation. Yeah, so I can understand I'm, that. But what I say back to you there is, uh, the players would be would be proud because an Ulster medal is an Ulster medal, and we know what it takes to win an Ulster Championship medal, and there's a reason for that. That, that competition has been unbelievably closely contested for the last sixty odd years. With, with every year there seems to be four or five teams that could win that competition you have better local rivalries and you get nothing easy you go out against Monaghan and it's it's uh, you get nothing easy none of those things still stand when, when you're go, possibly going out with missing 15 players 16, 17 players lads who couldn't train it, that's what I mean I, I just feel it's, uh, it's tarnishing the, the what we've come to know and love about this great competition that's just my opinion on it uh, but I, I I definitely appreciate your point about, you know, there is the element of that. You're competing, you're going out, and it's 15 against 15, and I mean, the best team win. And hundreds of thousands of people at home are going to have something to look forward to and talk about and, and watch on TV and all that. I understand all that. I just think that, you know, let's say, let's say Russ Common were to, were to win the All-Ireland this year. And stranger things have happened. Like, Russ Common have been in Super 8s for a few years now, and... Uh, They've, they've been coming on strong. Let's, I'm talking about maybe an outsider like them goes on and wins it. But they played Dublin in, in a semi-final and the Dublin camp has been hit by 20, 20 fellas have dropped out with, with COVID. Is that, is that All-Ireland as good as it would have been if they won it last year? I, I don't think so. And, I, and I, I think it's impossible to argue that that would not be devalued. And that's a, a real possibility that, that teams... Would be hit with a huge spate of uh, of COVID. Well, cases. I don't. For, firstly, firstly, I don't think that that level is a possibility. Um, that level of num of people in in a county setup, considering what I seen at the weekend in terms of the precautions that county teams are taking, like well, we the cabin team drove down. The game, but how many of them had COVID? Well, and how many of them, how many of those county players? Went w- wouldn't have gone to that game if it was in Sligo or in Galway or in it was the fact that they were going into Northern Ireland, which was under a level three, which was the top level of lockdown that they have. That was the big worry on a lot of those Leitrim players. Well, I spoke to Terry Highland, and he said to me was that it was just players who were close contacts and players who were waiting for results. They were waiting for results. I think from they had several cases of COVID. And they were waiting on results for not several than two. Well, my uh, maybe I thought he said three or four, but maybe two. But they were waiting on results for some players, and one of them would have taken out another four as close contacts. That was what he told me. So he said the number he said to me was they were going to be down. I think he said fifteen, which is why the figure fifteen is in my head. And essentially, because I spoke with Terry a couple of times on this as well, and a lot of their, a lot of the players, employers said to them, if you go to the north, come back and self-isolate. You're not allowed in work for the next two weeks. And that was part of the, the number that made up the 15. Okay, so you, so, you reckon, 17. so you reckon we've seen a situation here where there's, where a panel has lost 17, but you reckon that can't happen, is it? I, I reckon if that game was an All-Ireland semi-final or quarter-final, they'd have gone. Well, they can't, they can't though, if they're close contacts or you're waiting on results but, like that. They can't, yeah, but just can't. But there wasn't, there wasn't 17 of them that were close contacts or waiting on results. Okay, well, let's say it was half of that. Okay, let's say, let's say it was, we'd split the difference say it was nine. If the same the same conditions apply, if you're if you're coming up against a team who are missing nine, maybe nine starters, surely that devalues it. That's just my my opinion on it. I just think it's it's meaningless. Like I, we, we 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 could we could continue delving into this rabbit hole for for hours. We'll we'll cut it here because I don't think we're going to agree any sort of a consensus on. Well, it I don't think you have give, you have answered any of the questions I asked you. Be honest. I, uh, what what one did you did you ask me? That I, didn't I just answer? asked you just there now. Uh, but I I made the point that you could play a team uh, that's missing fifteen. You yeah, said, devalued. Oh, sorry, I said, sorry. I just finished it. I said you could play a team that's missing fifteen. You said you can't. And in the next in the next breath said the Leitrim missed seventeen. But if it was not our semi final, they wouldn't be missing seventeen. And I said, what well, if they miss five or missing nine? Is it still devalued? And you said, 
Uh, okay, we yeah, move on. Because I've because I've addressed earlier on about three times that yes, the, the competition is devalued. It is slightly devalued, but I still believe it should go ahead. I still believe it should be the All Ireland. Does it does it come with an asterisk? Yes, without a doubt. But it still should go ahead. I've said that about three times. So, but so I thought. But so do you. The last question I asked you then. Do you see? A, do you see a, any level there where you think a, a competition would be devalued to the point where once in a hundred years that it could maybe just be left aside? Like, where's the point? Slightly devalued. No, where does not, it become very not, devalued? Not if it's not if it's uh, not if it's capable. Not if it's possible for it to be played. I don't. I, so I we, think that's why if, that's why the, the Berlin Garris is going on, the tennises are going on, the all the different competitions around the world are all going on because every one of them are devalued. But so you, you said as long as it's possible to be played, it should played. be played. Even even if even if it got to the stage where uh let's say county boards, all county collective training was banned and they decided every county must put out your county champions in the All Ireland Championship. Would that be the point? That so you're still fulfilling it, but it's your county champions, like it was 110 years ago. You think it should still yeah, go ahead? I'd, I'd love that. I'd, I'd love the novelty of it. I think that'd be a great thing. So, I personally so think the competition should go on. Yes, I win an All Ireland medal. Sorry, you could have you could have a fellow who never played county football playing in an All Ireland senior football final. Yeah, sure. Why not? The whole idea. Don't get me wrong. It, that that's what that's what's beautiful about the GEA. That's that's the whole idea of it that anybody could do this. There's there's opportunity for everybody. So if that if that actually happens in a situation, then it's great. And people will talk about that all Ireland probably more than if a team wins it the way you're describing Leitrim or Roscommon or whoever in in a in a quarter final beating Dublin. People will talk about that. That'd be even more entertaining. It'd be it'd be such a fresh new factor. Why not? The idea, the the main reason I believe it should go ahead is that. One, players want it. Two, is that it's it's going to provide a brilliant distraction for a vast majority of, of GEA supporters around the country who otherwise will be stuck looking at the news, calculating numbers and wearing masks around their bathroom because they're that, that engrossed in COVID. That's, that's my main reason for it to continue to go ahead. Yeah, I think it should. I definitely think... Uh, it should go ahead, but uh, I, I don't think it should go ahead as as the All Ireland or the Ulster <laughs> Championship. That's where we differ. We definitely do. We definitely do. Right. Anyway, we battered way too long out of that. Oh, people like Give to us hear us arguing over something. Brady's Arva Limited, main dealers for Volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles, have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, Longford, Leitrim, Monaghan, Mead, and the surrounding counties for over 50 years. A family-owned and family-run business, Brady's are famous for their long association with the GAA. If you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details. What were we talking about? Kevin and Kildare, was it? Next, I next can't remember. Point, uh, constant sideways football instead of letting the ball in early. I agree yeah. with that. We did see a lot of that. Completely agree. Now, I won't say constant, but I I would say that for me, I was watching. It was a funny scenario for me because in in an ordinary game. I'm, you know, usually on 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 air, and the way it worked out this week, we we only had one on air, and uh, so Mickey was doing it, and I got to watch just fully the game without distraction of anything else, taking a few notes as I was going. But what I was drawn to constantly was the movement of Connor Smith and Cormac O'Reilly on the inside line. Now, while Kildare were playing a sweeper their movement was still so good that a good early ball would have put them in a one-on-one, if not a 2v1 situation, um, which I'd back both of them players in the way that they were playing at the weekend. But far too often, I thought Cavan did hold up the ball in that middle toward waiting for this, this perfect, perfect opportunity. And I, I, I think that the team, in some cases, were, were avoiding risk. And I... I, I I don't know how or why it was coming, but for me, the best 
ball supplied into the full forward line. And this is all just working from memory and, and, and what I was watching at the time was Cormac Timoney, I thought, played a lot of good ball in. Connor Madden, when he came in, played excellent ball into the full forward line. Um, I thought Park Faulkner gave a few good balls in as well. But other than that, I can't remember a lot of kick passing coming from the remainder of the of the outfield players. And I I, I personally think that the lads need to take the risk and maybe trust the inside line a little bit more to say, look, we're going to put it in here. We'll put it in two or three times. If you lose all of them, then we're not going to put it in anymore. But back them because the boys are winning ball. Like Connor Smith's point where he cut out near the far sideline. I was on, on the covered stand. So cut out near the far sideline, won the ball. There was three Kildare players around him, a fourth closing in by the time he had kicked it over the bar. You know, just showed if you give him the ball into space, Connor Smith's going to win it. So I'd like to see more of that. I thought Cormac O'Reilly just took the game and, and kind of drove at them. But a couple of times he had to come out to the 45 to get on ball. It was one resulted in a Grold McKiernan point where he was way out. He was outside the 45, just decided he was going to go buy a couple of tackles, drew a couple of defenders. Grold was on the loop and, and, and a great score came off it. But those guys need to be trusted to be given that ball into the one-on-one situation. And, and the lateral passes across the field are, I'd say, they're, they're, they're absolute nightmare to watch when you're an inside forward making great runs like that. Well, funny enough, the next comment that came in said, no forward line movement. So I, I, <laughs> I, I agree with you on this. I think, the, I think the movement was good in there. And Cavan's delivery was poor. And, the, and as you said, there were there, there lots of lads there that can kick good ball. Like Connery's a good kicker. Ocean Cairn mm. a good kicker. There's lots of players. Yeah, like Dowdy's a good there. kicker. Yeah, Garo doesn't kick much ball in the way he plays the game, but there were still enough players out there that were handling the ball and can let it in. Martin Riley's another who can let the ball in. So it, it didn't go in. Maybe maybe Kildare had it clogged up, but I thought as well that Connor Smith and Cormac O'Reilly in particular were were making good runs and looked like they did score if they could get their hands on the ball. Uh, mm. Speaking of Conroy, speaking of Conroy, the next talking point said. Conroy very impressive on frees and we need a free taker. Someone else says excellent free taking from Conroy. Uh, there was a few other comments like that about Conroy's free taking. I thought his free taking was exceptional. Top top marks, absolute top marks for him. He he hit six out of six frees, um, so you couldn't ask for any more. And you could tell by his ball striking from the frees. He got confident in his kick and then he hit a lovely point with the outside of the right boot from about forty meters. Um, you know, I, I thought I thought Conroy's kicking was excellent. I thought um he done very well for the interception of the Kildare kick out to get uh, the goal chance for Niall Murray. Um possibly could have went on himself for you know, I think he maybe should have backed himself a little bit more because I thought Murray was kind of drawing the defender away. But Conroy's not he's 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 definitely a team player. He looked for a man in the better position, and if he thinks he's there, he'll definitely give it to him. Um, the only downside I saw, or I thought, to Conroy's game was that sometimes he uh, there was one particular time where so he was operating as a sweeper. He was wearing the number six jersey. He started in the full forward line, and then came back as a sweeper. And I thought there was a couple of times he just didn't get into the right. One point that I think it was by Kevin Flynn. Um, where he kind of ghosted into the centre half back position, um, where I'd have liked to see Conroy out a bit quicker to go and meet him and, and, and put a block on. But again, it's 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 bound to be rustiness. It's bound to be, you know, the situation where he, he's getting he's getting back into into use used to those positions. But um, you know, definitely free taking and going forward. I thought Christopher Conroy is very good. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because. His free taking was was outstanding, absolutely brilliant. Like so many long range frees as well. Didn't miss one. He scored a good point from play. Made that interception at the end. His pass was off, as Mickey Graham said. It's not like him to be off with his pass. Um, but I don't feel. I feel that it's hard to find a position for him at senior intercounty level. Like we see, we saw it before with Connor Miner. That Connor Miner is not blessed with great pace, and so they sort of found that position for him, that sweeper role. And Mina did very well in that in that role, but they, they couldn't find another position for Conor Mina in the defence because in this day and age you, there's so much pace coming at you that they were afraid that he might get exposed. So that's why they left him as a sweeper. He didn't have to pick up a direct opponent. 
They're doing the same with Chris Conroy now. And I don't know if that's going to be a long-term solution. I'd like to see him kept on the team uh, because he can play ball and he can, and he obviously with his free-taking is priceless. Um, but I, I'm, I find it hard to see what position is the right position for him at senior and the county level. Like, like he is a half-forward by trade. That's his position. That's where he played his underage football. That's where he won a Man of the Match award in the Ulster Under-21 final. I know he can, he can play centre-half back for Lavi, but I think he gets away with centre-half back at club level because he, he's a good brain and he's a good footballer. But I think a half-forward is his position. and I don't know if, if, if he can play a half-forward at senior inter-county level. So I, I, I'd be worried about that. But like, don't forget he had a brilliant game uh, against Fermanagh in the league as well. So he's done all that can be asked of him this year. But mm. I, just, I just have my concerns about playing him in that position in the backs. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can, I can see, I can see the point personally too. I, I look at there's, there's definitely been known for teams that you have to have a good free taker if you're going to go forward, if you're going to win anything, your free taker has to be hitting the sort of levels that Connor hit or that that Chris Conroy hit at the weekend. So, you know, I, I think that that may just be something that that management need to figure out exactly. Yeah. What yeah. is going to be Chris Conroy's role within the team? Oh yeah, completely. It's like it's a while from we've had a player to go out and, and kick like seven points out of seven kicks. Mm. It's yeah. a long time. Um, yeah. Next talking point, there was a few talking points about the younger players. Uh, the first one said Timoney Timoney does not look out of place on Cavan's senior team, and I know mm. we, we spoke, mentioned that briefly the last day as well. Uh, the next one: our leaky defence and easy misses. Which sounds a bit bleak, but I I did I thought the defence myself were poor. I thought I couldn't figure out um, how were Kaleri able to run through the centre so much. Like was Martin Riley playing centre back? No. Um, Kieran Brady was playing centre. Yeah, that it, Martin Riley was playing cornerback, picking up. Um, Martin Riley was was. Picking up the corner forward, um, McCormick, Ben McCormick in there at corner back. Um, I, 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 I thought, if I'm being honest, I thought our, our full back line were, were were cleaned out. Um, I'm just looking here. McCormick got two points from play. Kerwin got four points from play, and Highland finished with seven, eight, nine points in total. Three coming from open play and one from an attacking mark. You know that I thought I thought they were completely cleaned out. Um, now there's there's two causes for that. One, the supply of early ball putting them into one-on-one situations meant it was very very hard for your fullback line to to mark tightly because the movement of intercounty senior forwards is so good they're always going to find space. So there has to be pressure applied out in the middle of the field to stop that ball from being perfect. And I don't think we had that either on the inside line though. We were, I thought we were well beaten um, in terms of trying to do man marking jobs. And I didn't think that the sweeper worked particularly well for Cavan overall, that, that it wasn't there quick enough to double up. Like that's, that's six and that's 10 points from open play, essentially, the full forward line got. You know, I think that that's too much at inter county level for a team like Cavan to be conceding. I agree. Um, and there were so many times that. You, you you could see the ball going in and you thought, right, there's enough Cavan players back there. And sometimes some some of the players all seem to follow the ball and you turn around and there's a free kill there, man. And that's what led to a few goal chances, particularly in the second half. And we were lucky that they took a few points from at least two or three good goal chances. Where yeah. I, I just I just thought they were all at sea. And I, maybe, I didn't, I thought it was Martin Riley that was playing six, but uh, with Kieran in the hall there, maybe that, Centre half is not his best position, I don't think. Like I think he's at his best going forward, and I don't think centre half is his best position either. So, the, the next talking point came in just said. Fogger. Just to go back, just to go back on the Cormac Timoney, that was his debut for Cavan Seniors, and to say he he didn't look out of place would be an understatement. He was he was excellent. I thought some of his kicking of the ball was just brilliant. He got the head up very, very quickly. He looks for that direct early ball onto the inside line and he is a very good kicker of the ball. On top of that, there was a like Kildare physically a very big, strong team. And there was a couple of collisions where you could see that 
he's he is physically so strong that he wasn't he wasn't knocked off the ball at any point. There was one in particular that came out towards the sideline right in front of me, and I think it was the wing half forward um, Cribben that was going for it with him, and he had he had a, a noticeable size difference between him and, and Timothy. The two lads collided with a shoulder, and Timothy put him down um, before picking up the ball. Like I I think Cormac Timothy. He's he's seamlessly jumped into that team there, and I think he'll be hard shifted from that team in the next two weeks. Personally, yeah, you could be right. You could be right again. It just depends on who's available. But like, um, you, you imagine if Calvin were full strength, it'd be a big ass for him to to hold off fellas uh, with just coming into the side as he has. But he hasn't put foot wrong in his in in that game he played, and like he'll only get better. That's yeah. the, the exciting thing there. Um, a lot of people were talking about the need to play Parry Faulkner centre half. We got two or three saying Faulkner plays centre half. A couple of people asking where should you play Faulkner? Uh, I think centre half is probably a good shout for Faulkner because I felt that like he was brilliant in the full back line, um, but he had been doing so well in the club championship in a midfield role that maybe he I was looking at him dominating games, dominating the middle third. Maybe he was wasted at full back. So maybe centre-half could be a compromise there, man. Maybe so. See, the, the interesting thing on that, though, too, was that, so, Gerald McKernan didn't really play midfield. He, he played in the half-forward line more, and it seemed to be a combination of Ushin Kiernan or, or Jerry Smith or sometimes Kieran Brady seemed to be the midfield partner for Park Faulkner. So it, it, it just, it, it wasn't... If you took Park Faulkner out of that midfield and you have Garoud already out of that midfield, more than half forward line, you just wonder are we are we going to be able to compete in any way in the air? Now I thought we still struggle because Kildare's midfielders are very very they're, they're big, strong, tall units that that they dominated kickouts on us. Um, but I I'm not too sure. Ideal scenario. I do think Park Faulkner would be your 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 best centre half, um. But if we can afford to take him out of midfield, if we're taking Garrod out of midfield as well, yeah, it's the same old thing with with Faulkner the last few weeks. You need him everywhere. Same with Kingsford, needed him everywhere. Uh, there's three last talking points, Damien. Um, Kildare number six lying down when Calvin got back to two points after halftime killed us. Did did we get back to two after halftime? I don't think we did. No. So no, which was eleven, eleven, sixteen, and it was one eighteen to eleven. We got it back to uh, one twenty to twenty, so we got it back to three points. Was the closest we came, but I don't, I don't remember, I don't remember the six lying down. I, no, I'm not saying it could, it didn't happen when we went, we got within three, but I don't recall it now personally. I, I don't recall that either. Um, here's another. Now this is a, this is a great talking point. I think. After working so hard to get back level, this is in the first half, conceding three points in about 90 seconds was killer before halftime. I thought that's absolutely bang on, I, I thought. Three points went in, in in a minute and a half, and it was it was no sooner was the ball kicked out and it was back in and over the bar there for the, for those those 90 seconds. And I thought that was crucial because Calvin had really clawed it back from, was it 6-1 down or 6-2 down to get back to level, and suddenly they found themselves four down going in at halftime and missed the penalty. Like talk about a swing in, in the space of those couple of minutes after the, the high of being six all and going well. Well, you had you had it so it, it went to six all after twenty one minutes, and then the sides traded points until it was eight apiece. Twenty six minutes in, Grod hit over a free, um, and then Kildare went up the other end of the field. Kerwin hit a point. Kildare won the next kick out. Jimmy Highland hit a point, and then they won the next kick out again. And Kevin Flynn hit a point, so it was it was two Calvin kickouts, one Kildare kickout, all three points in a row, which left at eleven eight going in on on the the twenty seventh minute. Um, Conroy came back with another point from a free after a great run by Kieran Brady up the field, and he was fouled. Um, but then it was two more points from Kildare before the penalty, one from um, a free from Highland and the other a point from play from Cribben left it that you were you were 13 points to nine down. Now you created the penalty 
I, I don't know what it looked like on the telly. From my end, was it a clear penalty? I, oh, I couldn't. No. There was it no wasn't. There was no penalty. I was, okay. was going to say that. Like, it's the sort of one that if, if Kildare had been awarded that, we'd have been saying, uh, your man was a diver. Like, but poor fucking bought the penalty. Uh, like it was, it was justice when it was saved. To be fair, that's just being neutral on it. But uh, yeah, because that, that and that was that was an opportunity for Cavan to maybe really put the pressure on because those final ten minutes of the sec of the first half, as was pointed out earlier on, Kildare were boss and Cavan. They were they were in complete control and and they hit five points for Cavan's one. You know, realistically, Cavan Cavan shouldn't. As they done on four different occasions in the game, they went and let Kildare get three scores in a row. The first three scores came from Kildare. They got it from eight apiece to eleven eight. They got it from nine eleven to thirteen nine. After half time, they got three scores in a row on the second, the fourth, the sixth minute, and then just before the water break, they got a goal and two points. Um all without reply. So those runs of scores that that opposition are getting, they nullify then when Cavan actually do get their own runs of scores, which the most impressive of them, of the run of scores came for Cavan, which was between the 18th and the 26th minute, hitting five points without reply. Like that was that was a real rally. Um, hitting in total, I think, of the, of the final, in the final quarter, Cavan hit, was it nine points to Kildare's three you know, but in order to make that final quarter count, they needed to curtail some of them rallies of three scores in a row by Kildare. And and like we whether it happened or it didn't happen, the number six being accused or, or saying he went down, at, after two scores in a row for the opposition, somebody needs to go down. Just you know, take the steam out of them. Just don't let the don't let them continue to blow, don't let the momentum to continue to build against you. Do something that's gonna them and maybe that's the, the kind of cuteness that Kildare have that, that we need to learn a wee bit more of in Cavan yeah that's it that's it and, and to be fair like Cavan had had something of a new luck team out although there was still a right bit of of experience on the pitch for Cavan um, mm. well there was yeah. there was a lot of a, a lot of new faces like and, and just to go through a couple of things that, that didn't come through on the on the talking points I was very, very impressed with Cormac O'Reilly at full forward. I thought his movement was excellent. I thought his ball handling was brilliant. He finished with two points to his name, um, an attacking mark and, and, and a lovely point calling in on the right foot. I thought in general he he provided score there for Grode McKiernan. Um, like that, that's his first start for Cavan. It's his first time playing anything near 70 minutes of, of that level of football. I'm not sure what minute it was when he went off, but I think he was the last sub off um, and, and Niall Murray came on from. So there might have only been six, seven, eight minutes left at that stage in the game. But I thought I thought Cormac, Cormac O'Reilly, Cormac Timoney, both for debuts, debut starts, had very, very good games. O'Shea and Brady, um, you could nearly see the point that he missed in the first half Took the took the wind out of him, and I think it, it it just it was a bit unlucky for him because he's had one hell of a club championship, and and there is more to come from him. It wasn't the easiest of of uh, of days for him, but I do think it it'll get better for him. And then Quivin McGovern coming off the bench, I I have to give huge credit to the management because if they had started Quivin McGovern, I don't think he's physically strong enough to compete at that level yet for the the high octane energy sapping first half of it but when there was gaps you seen the explosive speed that he has and his ability to to glide into those areas and tap over on left foot or right foot and I thought I thought the management deserved huge credit for the way they used Quivey McGovern yeah I, I thought he did very very well you could almost see his confidence lifting after the first point went over and he was mad to get on the ball and have another go and he got the second one like so that was that was a dream day before that he only turned 18 in August so I think I think the, the management have did well there to, to blood those those four lads. Um like mm. they're very, very young. You know, you're keen right there from Killigary on the bench, extremely young players, like and you know, they might not necessarily be be part of the panel even you know, that, that might necessarily be them on the panel now for the long haul, but uh 
it's good to get them in there when maybe when they're shorter bodies get them in expose them to that environment and, and give them a taste of it and maybe they'll go back and over the next six or 12 months some of those lads will work really hard and they'll come, come in and they'll be really ready for it then so I thought I thought that was a that was a positive to take from the game Just another thing to bring to the listeners because I'm not sure if on the telly they went through the panel the 26 that was named um, to, to talk out but again it gives a kind of an indicator of who is in around the cabin panel at the moment so obviously Connor Madden came on and Luke Fortune came on they were due to start um, you had Cuevin McGovern to come on uh, Matthew McKenna from Killigarry was in wearing the number 20 Keen Riley Fimmer McAvinu from Arva in on the panel Brian McGee Danny Cusick from uh, Lavi and Ryan Connolly was the number 26 so of the lads that didn't play there, there's quite a few there like Danny Cusick no surprise he's been He's been brought in. Fimmer McAvinu had a very, very good year for Arva and so did Keen Riley for Killy Gary. Well-deserved there. Matty McKenna on his way back as well. Great to see it. A quick word and later on in the week we'll, we'll hear from um, the Niall Murray and from Cormac O'Reilly because we're running out of time here unfortunately on the McAvoy's podcast. But if you want to hear those interviews they're over on patreon.com forward slash we are Cavan. Um, but Niall Murray to get back from the injury he's got back so quick is just absolutely freakish. He's a, he's, he's an unbelievably dedicated man to, to have done the recovery that he's, that he's after producing and to be able to go onto the field. When I seen his name on the team sheet, Paul, I literally was saying, okay, so that's a definite change. Somebody's coming in there because there's no way Niall Murray's going to be fit to play. Another who's fit to play, fit to come on. I, I just, I, I've nothing but admiration for that man. At one stage there, Damien, um, there was a lot of talk that Niall's, Niall's football days could be over because yeah. he got a, he got a second bad injury and he wasn't long after coming back from his first one. And I was told by a couple of people that his prognosis wasn't great. So seeing back there playing with Cavan is phenomenal. It's brilliant. Like he's he's been a great servant to Cavan now for for ten years. And like when he got that injury, he was he was going really well. Uh, he's a, he's a leader of the team. Mickey Graham spoke very warmly about him after the game. So, uh, fair play to him. It's great to see him back. Yeah, absolutely. So, folks, that brings us to the end of the McAvoy Super Value GA podcast. Don't forget to tune into our Diehards podcast for later on the week. As I said, you'll hear from Niall Murray and from Cormac O'Reilly as well as Mickey Graham um, in their post-match interviews after the Kildare game. But we'll also be previewing Cavan's game against Ross Common, which takes place in Kingspan Brefty at 2 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. So don't forget to head on over to patreon.com forward slash wearecavan to get all of that. Thanks, Paul, for having a good argument with me. I'm sure people will enjoy that. <laughs> people always tell me they enjoy me and you arguing uh, on, on this podcast, David. That's why I said I'll, I'll dig my heels in here. I'll do a Mickey Brennan on it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, folks, for listening. Yes, it was great. Yes, it was great. Yes, it was great stuff. And Larry has put it over. It was hard, fast football after that. You're in Kevin, Was there a feeling that that might have been a chance for Kevin to get come back into the big time? And then the cave, and it's over the lap, and Kevin are not buried yet. Kevin doing all they could to hold their lead. To Derek McDonald, what a goal! Oh, yes! And over the bar, Vincent Cahill, what a day he is having! Oh, this is brilliant by Kevin! Dandy-legged farmers walking the roads near Virginia. Hurrah, yeah, hurrah!